Thanks for listening to this audio resource from Sovereign Hope Church. And just to update you, thanks in large part to many of you, uh, we've been able to purchase a new home in central Missoula. And there's a lot of work ahead of us when it comes to making another warehouse our church home. And you can continue to contribute to remodel and renovation funds at achurchbuilding.com. But we just want to express to you how grateful we are for your support. And we hope that this resource you're about to listen to will be a blessing for you as well. And before we begin, let's pray one more time as we open our hearts to God's wisdom for us today. Father God, you are our wise king. Without your word, we would be lost and on our own and without hope. Whether we realize it or not, before us every day are two paths, one that leads to life and one that leads to death. God, help us today by your spirit, to humble ourselves before you and choose life. You have graciously given us the wisdom of your word. Make our hearts wise today in light of it. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we begin, we're going to try something this morning. Let's take a moment and imagine that we are transported to some time before 1990, like 1985. So hair is big, the Soviet Union is still a thing, PG-rated movies are wildly inappropriate for children for some reason. Have you ever gone back and watched some of these things? They're terrible. Um, And there's no internet. There's no internet. This is is the most important part of our imaginative journey Um, because you have to write a research paper for biology class on mitochondria without the internet. And so... Uh, So after school, you get on your bike, and you physically travel to the library. You ask a librarian, very quietly, where you can find the biology research section. And they point you in the right direction. And you are now surrounded by thousands of books with no idea where to start. But then you remember Dewey, right? Dewey's got this covered. He's got the decimal system, right? He's got the card catalogs, of course. And now you got this, because you pull on these little drawers, these little wooden drawers, and they smell like grandma's house, right? And you start flying through the yellowed index cards, and you're making notes and locations and classifications with a pencil on a notepad, right? And now according to Dewey, uh, there's over 500 books about cellular biology here at this library. Ribosomes, membranes, the nucleus, right? You don't need any of that. You're after that mitochondria, that ATP, that Krebs cycle, respiration, right? And you discover that in the entire library, there's only 20 books that might help you write your paper. And so your notepad is full of numbers and it's time to get to the shelf. So you crawl up a ladder, right? Or you crouch on the floor and you physically like look at the spines of books for little numbers with divided by decimals to see what you wrote down on your notepad. And panic sets in because 15 of the 20 books that you wanted are checked out. And so you suddenly realize that you've picked a very popular organelle. Next time you'll pick Golgi bodies. You take your five books and you get in line to check out and the librarian stamps your card and you leave. But your journey has just begun, right? On your ride home on your bike, in the rain, let's add rain, in the rain, you pray that the books might actually be able to help you because you have no idea. Because 
you don't know for sure yet because you'll need to read them. There's no preview. <laughs> There's no search. Uh, you'll just have to read them to discover if they're helpful or not. Can you believe that this is something we used to do? Like all the time. Don't get me wrong, writing a report is still difficult, but it's also like so much easier. Millions of books, periodicals, uh, peer-reviewed journals and articles, they're digitized and searchable, and sections of them can be previewed right in the browser and skimmed from the comfort of your phone wherever you are. And so in light of what we know now, can you imagine, imagine writing a research paper without the internet. And as difficult as that situation is, can you imagine doing life without wisdom? Heartache, breakdown, selfishness, greed, and violence, they would run amok. But we're not on our own. We don't have to walk through life hoping for the best. We don't have to worry about whether or not we're smart enough to figure things out. What a grace that God tells us what is wise and how to live. Our passage today begins with a declaration. It begins with a shout. Verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? How much better? We're going to find out. And so our big idea for today is this, that God's wise word is the most valuable possession. And those who humbly trust in it find life and bring life to others. And in our points for today, what we're going to see is that God's word reveals that there are only two paths. That trusting in God's wise word is the path to life. And that trusting in our arrogant heart is the path to death. So let's read the first part of our text today because it sets up everything else that we're going to talk about. So Proverbs 16, verses 16 to 19. How much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. The highway of the upright turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. It is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. So Proverbs is often a book of contrasts, and we've come to expect it by this point with as much as we've read of it. Uh, the book is filled with a proverbial wisdom that goes something like this. It says, the one who does the right thing gets good. The one who does the evil thing will get bad. Right? We've heard this kind of cadence throughout the book of Proverbs. I'm not talking down on it, though, because in a very simple and uh, a powerful way, these contrasts throughout the entire book of Proverbs have been preparing us for our first point today. And that's that God's word reveals there's only two paths. Firstly, there's God's path as he has revealed it. And this is the path to goodness, to flourishing, to life, life as it was meant to be lived. This isn't a way to live, a choice among many. The scriptures call it a highway here. 
It's paved. It's the fastest, most direct route to a good life that honors God and all the people that he created in his image. But there is another way. It's the non-way, the non-path. It's off the highway. It's off the road. It's in the woods, claiming to be a shortcut. And it calls out to us all. This path says, oh, the turn is just up ahead and you can get to the good stuff quicker if you stayed off the highway. And all you have to do is just step over this lie or this person. They don't deserve what you deserve. You'll be fine. You'll reach the end in no time. You've seen many others fall on this path, but not you. You're smarter than them. You're quicker than them. This didn't work out for them, but you'll be fine. These are our choices because there's only two paths. And the wise person humbly walks on God's path while the foolish person arrogantly makes their own. Now our passage today begins with a value statement, right? Getting wisdom is better than gold. And at the end of the passage, we encounter another value statement much like it. Verse 19 says, it is better to be of a lowly spirit with the poor than to divide the spoil with the proud. So in these verses, we're being warned about the connection between money and our hearts. And the Bible does this often. God knows where we're weak. And we can think that if we just had more money, we'd be successful or safe or self-sufficient. That we'd have comforts or the security that we crave. And that our reputation would improve and that we'd be noticed by others and affirmed for our accomplishments. We use money to buy things, but we trust in money to give us a lot more than we should. Earlier in our series in Proverbs, we heard in Proverbs 11.28, whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Riches don't deserve our trust, God does. He's the one who'll water the life that flourishes. And the wise person listens to the warning and they follow God's instruction, even if it leads away from personal material blessings. But the foolish person rejects God's instruction and will turn to evil in pursuit of gold and all it promises. In 1 Timothy 6, 8-11, it puts it this way, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. And it's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Now our hearts will be tempted every day to trust in our ability to amass wealth and provision instead of trusting God. But the wise person knows that God's path ends with eternal blessings of greater value than worldly comforts. And the foolish person trusts in themselves to make a path that ends in blessing. But God says that their path will end in destruction. Verse 17 and 18, it says, The highway of the upright 
turns aside from evil. Whoever guards his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. God's way will always turn from evil. This is the litmus test for how we know which path we are on. What path are you on today? This is a serious question worth serious reflection. Have you found yourself sinning to get what you want or what you think you deserve? Is your life more defined by following your heart or by following God's word? Who do you trust more, yourself or God? Pride is lurking in all of our hearts. It's just what naturally comes out. Just believing that there is a God is humbling because you have to acknowledge that you're not him. Pride puts blinders on our eyes. It shuts out others so that our focus is only on ourselves and it makes people expendable. It also shuts out God's eternal plans and it focuses our energy and our attention on the short term. And whereas God's concern for us is for the whole of our life and beyond, helping us to stay on a path that leads to eternal blessings, we too often find ourselves greedy or impatient. Like the prodigal son that Jesus spoke of, we, we seek our inheritance now. Carpe diem, YOLO, Hakuna Matata. <laughs> Besides all sounding funny, these things share something in common. You know, they tell us to seize the day you only live once. Have no worries. But today is not all that matters. Every path ends somewhere. And the upright are on a highway of life turning away from evil. And the arrogant say they don't even need a path. They'll make their own. Hakuna Matata. No worries. Now living where we do, uh, we all understand that paths are important here in western Montana. And we understand how dangerous going off path can be. Now, I've lived here for just a bit shy of seven years, uh, and in that time I've gone hiking and hunting and fishing and huckleberry picking. I've been to Glacier and the Bob, but deep down inside my heart, I am still a city boy uh, who knows more about subways and delis than tamarack trees and cricks. Guys, it's Creek, I'm sorry. It's Creek. Let's just settle this right here. <laughs> so when I'm out in the wilderness, I stay on the path. I stay close to the logging road. I always know where it is. I don't make my own path out there. But the prideful person making their own path, far from the highway of the upright, They'd be like a New Yorker <laughs> in the middle of the Bob Marshall without a map or a GPS. And what do you think's gonna happen to him? <laughs> He's gonna get lost. He's gonna fall somewhere. He's probably gonna die. Having an eternal perspective is not natural to our hearts. In our flesh, we want our blessings right now. We want our treasures now. 
And pridefully, we can say when we make our own path, I don't care where this leads me as long as I can pick up all of my heart's desires along the way. This is immediate fulfillment regardless of eventual consequences. Have you ever done this? Maybe in little ways? <laughs> For example, have you ever eaten something and said, I'm going to regret that tomorrow? <laughs> I mean, that's a funny example, but is this how you treat sin in your life? I'm going to regret that tomorrow. Brothers and sisters, if you claim faith in Christ, but you are regular, regularly and habitually sinning, pushing off change to one day in the future, you are in danger. You have underestimated sin. Sin isn't going to give you a tummy ache. <laughs> it's going to kill you. <laughs> you need to cut it out. If you've been waiting for a day to make a change, today is that day. You're here. You've made it. If you decide that changes in the future, that is where it will stay. It will be out of reach. Commit your heart to the Lord today. Confess your sins to God. He promises to cleanse you from them. In humility, bear your burdens with fellow believers and find that they will help you to stay on the path. Don't wait for tomorrow. Because when we make our own paths, we're not promised anything from tomorrow besides destruction. But on God's path, we are promised life at the end. God wants us to look forward to it. And he wants our hearts to be content today no matter our circumstance. On God's path, we store our treasures in tomorrow with him. In Matthew 6, 19 to 21, Jesus says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There are only two paths, God's path and a dangerous trail we make ourselves. But how do we find God's path and how can we be sure that we are on it? And that's what we're going to look at in our next section. And this is where we'll spend most of our time today. Uh, and we'll see that trusting in God's wise word is the path to life. God has not left us to our own devices. We're not wandering in the woods alone. We have the GPS, the map, and the compass because we have God's word. And let's pick up in our passage at verse 20, uh, uh, Proverbs 16, 20 to 24. Whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. And the wise of heart is called discerning, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Now this is the main portion of our text today. 
And it does something uh, very interesting. Uh, I relied on Tyler uh, for this little tidbit because I haven't gone to seminary. And I, uh, I do this, what, maybe like eight times a year? So you guys are hanging in there great. Thanks for all the eye contact. I'll try to give it back. Um, uh, but what's interesting about this passage is that it comes from the outside in pairs. And it moves in in another pair. And it has a central point in the middle. So this is kind of like a literary device that we're looking at today, and it helps us understand what the main point of the text is. And so I think that what would be helpful for us is to consider the pairs together. And so that's what we're going to do. So for all the note takers, we actually have sub points today. So you win. You get to like put A's and B's now. Um, so here's our three sections for this. So trusting in God's wise word is the path to life, and we'll see in verse 20 and 24. The God's words change us. And we'll see in 21 and 23 that God's words make hearts wise and winsome. And we'll see uh, that the wise have a fountain and fools have a drain in verse 22. So let's start with the promise that God's words change us. And we're looking at verse 20 and 24, it's important to note that in verse 20, the Hebrew word translated as word here uh, could also be translated as commandment other places. And so whoever gives thoughts or thought to the word, the commandment, will discover good. And blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. God's words are good and good for us. Meditate on and give thought to God's words, God's commands, and you will discover good. Trust in the Lord and you will be blessed. Any words that come from God are gracious words meant to heal us and his commands are the words that lead to our wisdom. It's God's word that is the highway of the upright and the path to life and contentment, and healthy souls. Now, what an amazing gift that God would give us his word, that he would tell us what is true and right and good, that he would tell us what leads to death and what leads to life. It seems so simple, <laughs> and it is. Blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. But what does it mean to trust in the Lord? How do we sinners become blessed? We must start with trusting God's word. What God says about himself in it. What God says about us in it. God's word is where everything that we should believe about him is revealed. And without it, we're left with some kind of like ambiguous spirituality. And with it, we have a wondrous message of hope and redemption. To trust in the Lord, we must start with trusting his word. And it's only when we trust it that we can trust him and begin to change. I like sushi. How's that for a transition? <laughs> Maybe you do too. If you do, have you ever taken someone out the first time for sushi? Like you're trying to explain to them that it's going to be great but they're just like head down, white knuckling the chair. 
and they're watching plate after plate of like raw sea creatures pile up in front of them. But you know that if your friend just tasted it, they would know how good it is. If they tasted it, they would trust you. They would believe you, and they would change. They would love sushi too. Proverbs 16, 24 says, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. The Proverbs here appeal to our sense of taste. And they invite us to dine on God's commandments. These gracious words that reveal the highway of the upright away from sin and death. Feasting on God's word deepens our understanding of him. And the deeper we go into understanding God's goodness, discovering God's goodness in his word, the more we'll see our need for it. When we believe what the scriptures say about God's righteousness and his commands, we simultaneously have to come to terms with what they say about our unrighteousness and our disobedience. And the first blessing of trusting God, or first blessing of trusting that God has revealed himself through his word It's a painful one. Romans 3.20 says that through the law comes knowledge of sin. And when we gain this knowledge of God's law, his commands, we know that we haven't measured up. We're not perfect as he is perfect. We have wandered far into deceit and lust and greed and jealousy and anger. The list could go on and under all of it, pride. But to believe that you are a sinner is to believe that you need a savior. It's God's words that reveal our need to us. And it also reveals how our need was perfectly met in Jesus. Our passage today has encouraged us to get on the path of the upright. And Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus has perfectly fulfilled all the commandments. Of course he did. (laughs) He's the word. The commandments are his. He's the word of God made flesh. And through faith in him, we can walk the upright path. Our disobedience was nailed to the cross with him, and he took the fall that our arrogant pride deserved. For those exhausted from making their own path through the wilderness of sin... Understand that because of Christ's work, we can rest in God. He wants us to. Listen to the honey dripping off of his words in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, And my burden is light. If we trust in Christ, we will be blessed. And we come to faith in Christ through God's word. In following Christ, our path decisively changes from death to life. And this is the greatest change that God's word works in us. Our eternal destiny is forever changed in Christ. And God continues to pour out blessings on us on our new path as he continually changes our hearts. And this is our second point, that God's words make hearts wise and winsome. 
And this is what our verses say. Verse 21, the heart, the wise of heart is called discerning. And sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Verse 23, the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. And when we encounter God's wisdom, especially the wisdom of the gospel, our hearts become wise. We know something transformative that we didn't know. We now know God's heart toward us and the lengths that he would go to to demonstrate that love. And this changes everything. And once you've given thought to the word, discovered the good of Christ and put your trust in him, you have a newfound wisdom about those around you. Because of the difference that Christ has made in us, from this vantage point, we have kind of a gospel-powered clarity when it comes to what the, what's in the heart of others and what their hearts need. And these two verses we just read, they make the same point, that those with hearts made wise by God, they see the, the needs of others clearly and they thoughtfully, winsomely, and persuasively call others to God's wisdom. When God's word makes hearts wise, we want to help others. If the course of your life has been changed from death to life, then you want to tell others about it. You want to persuade others to taste and see that God is good and that Christ is a refuge from sin. Christ has opened our eyes to God's grace and made us wise with a message of hope and forgiveness. Now, in the last couple of years, we've all seen examples of what's been called cancel culture. It seems like every day there's a new story. And against this backdrop, the church today uh, stands starkly in contrast. And because of Christ, we have a forgiveness culture. Do you see how powerful and persuasive that is? While the world may one day decide to cancel you and try to destroy your reputation or seek to have your employment terminated because of something in your past, Jesus never will. Look at Jesus in Luke 4.40. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Every one of them. Didn't matter where they had come from or what they had done. All that came to Jesus were healed. And this was a taste of the healing that will one day come to us all in his kingdom. The wisdom of God in our own hearts will cause us to see people differently, have compassion differently, and have a different answer for their greatest questions. A theologian once said that Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where he found bread. In Christ, we have found bread that satisfies and a fountain that will never run dry. And a heart wise in Christ will invite others to eat and to drink. And this is our last point in this section. That the wise have a fountain and fools have a drain in verse 22. So we've reached the middle and the central point uh, of this section of Proverbs. We've moved in from the outside in pairs and there's one left. 
Proverbs 16, verse 22. Good sense is a fountain of life to him who has it, but the instruction of fools is folly. Now, the wisest thing that we could ever do is to put our trust in Christ. And in coming to him, our relationship with God is healed. Our relationships with others is healed. Our hearts become satisfied with righteousness instead of sin. And we, if we ever get off course, he beckons us to return, always. God in his mercy has made us wise in Christ. And as we continually come to him, we are continually refreshed. God will never shut off the tap. The invitation to drink is open and constant. For a fountain to be a fountain, it must keep running. And Jesus himself is the fountain of life. Look at what happens when he meets a woman far from God on the fringes of society. This is what he says to her in John 4, 10 to 14. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living, living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. And the water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. God's wisdom is like a fountain welling up to eternal life and it comes through faith in Jesus. But foolish pride is like a drain bringing down to death. And just like a fountain will continually run and flow, a foolish heart will continually drain. It's a black hole with an insatiable appetite, always taking and never satisfied. And while the wisdom of trusting God will lead to overflowing wisdom, the foolishness of rejecting God will only lead to more errors. You're starting from the wrong spot. The path you're on matters. There are good consequences on God's good path. And as verse 17 said, those who turn aside from evil will pers- uh, preserve their lives. But the arrogant and the foolish who turn away from God won't discover good or have their hearts healed by the sweetness of God's gracious words. Instead, they'll be lured away by lesser satisfactions in life and realize too late that in the selfish pursuit of their kingdom over God's, they are circling the gaping drain of death. And Jesus concludes one of his parables by saying in Matthew 25, 29, To everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I think the same line of thinking applies to our passage today. The fountain of life, Jesus Christ, will continually fill our souls to overflowing with wisdom that leads to eternal life. And the foolish, prideful path makes promises that it cannot keep, 
delivering only distraction on the way to destruction. In the last section, we saw that those whose hearts become wise desire to call others onto wisdom's path. And this is yet another way that wisdom is like a fountain. Not only will we be changed by it, but others will be changed as well. And the wisdom of God that we've received brings life to us, brings life to others through us. Overflowing life, leading to overflowing life, with Jesus as the fountainhead. But Christ's wisdom isn't the only voice crying out to us. In the second part of verse 22, it says, the instruction of fools is folly. People will experience life when they learn from those who humbly trust Christ's words, or they will experience death when they learn from those who arrogantly reject God's words. Before us are two paths, and neither one of them are lonely. Both are full of people calling out to your heart today. You have a choice before you. Which path will you walk on? And that will decide which path you'll be calling from. Every life leaves a legacy, especially in our homes, with our families. In this room today, there are many first-generation Christians, but there's also many here who are second, third, fourth, or more. They have a a legacy of faith. It's generations deep. And the fountain of faith continues to overflow for us and for all who would follow behind us. And moms and dads here today, do your children know that you love the Lord? (laughs) Do your actions show them that you find your hope in him? Are you teaching your children to pray and to read their Bibles? Do you read God's word in your home? Is it normal? (laughs) Do your children see your faith and know that Jesus is the fountain of life that will satisfy their deepest desires because it's satisfying yours? Do they know it's the only path to life? Now, I don't mean to only speak to parents here today. Uh, I mean, think of how many of us, uh, uh, of how many lives we all intersect whether relational or professional. And as we go through life ourselves resisting the instruction of fools, others take notice. They really do. And God will bring to all of us opportunities to point to the wisdom of his word and the wisdom of Christ. And the question will be, were we faithful? Trusting in God's word is the path to life. We've talked about that a lot today, but it's not the only path. And this is our final point today. Trusting in our arrogant heart is the path to death. Here's our final verse from our main passage, and we're going to be concluding here shortly. It's Proverbs 16, verse 25. And it says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Without God's word, we wouldn't even know that there was a path. We would only do what seemed right to us, And indeed, this is how our world operates today. Billions of individualists encouraging each other to live their truth while denying the way and the truth and the life of Jesus Christ. From the outside, it looks like billions of paths being courageously blazed individually. And yet, they're all one path. 
the one that isn't the highway of the upright. It looks like counterculture, but it's conformity. It's not the brave path. It's the path of least resistance right down the drain. And the prideful fool is too arrogant to see that they aren't charting a new course. Apart from God, they're on the inevitable one. Today we've seen that there is a choice. There's a promise of life and there's a warning of destruction. And every decision we make reveals our heart before God. Will we ignore the warning, disbelieve God, trust in ourselves and make our own path? Or will we heed the warnings, believe God, trust in his word, turn aside from evil and get on his path? Now, if today you wanna make a change and get on God's path, but you don't know where to start, start with God's word. Read the Gospel of John, and then read Romans. These books have made a tremendous impact in my life and faith. We need God's word. The wisdom in its pages are more valuable than gold. And there's no way for us to be on God's path without it. Sunday morning will never be enough. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? We must start with humbly trusting God's word because it's where everything that we should believe about him is revealed. In its pages, we will find commands and we will find promises and it will bring healing to our bones and sweetness to our souls, but our hearts must bow to him. In our lives, we're gonna be tempted to choose the sweetness that the world offers, but it leads to death. And we know this because Christ died for it. Without Christ, all of the wrong turns that we have taken that seemed right to us in our own eyes, they would have certainly led to our disappointment, pain, sorrows in this life and in the next. But Jesus is God's word and God's wisdom and the fountain of life for us today. Our gracious God has given us his Christ and his word and his spirit Without them, we would be pulled by the drain of our own foolishness. But now the wisdom of God flows to us today. Can you imagine doing life without wisdom? Thankfully, we don't have to. The way that seems right to a man is now not the only way. Choose Christ in his way and find life. Let's pray. Lord God, that you would give your word to us is almost beyond our comprehension. That you would care for us in such a way it shows your heart and your care towards us. Do you know how we are prone to wander? And you know the devastation that sin wreaks in our lives. You know that it leads to death because Jesus died in our faith place and bore the wrath that our sin deserved. And in him, you've given us a path to everlasting life. And Father, we ask that in your tender mercy, that you would keep us on it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.